You're going to need, you're going to need your Bibles. Exodus 33. It's going to go up, but I actually want you to see it right in front of your nose. Something's happened. Uh, I don't know what happened to the rotor, so I'm now preaching on the passage just before the one Chris preached on last time. That makes sense. Obviously, we flipped something in the rotor and it all got back to front. Exodus 33. Now Moses, this is verse 7. Now Moses used to make a tent, sorry, used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, there's lots of tents here, aren't they? <laughs> Moses went within tent. No, no, don't. The pillar of cloud would come down and say at the entrance, while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to the, his tent. The Lord would speak uh, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. But his young assistant Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Lord, open our eyes to your truth. Open our ears to your voice. Lord, we are encountering you. Take us deeper in. Deeper in, Lord. This tent of meeting. <coughs> this, of course, is Old Covenant. So the tent of meeting, in so many ways. Again, look at the person next to you. There is the tent of meeting. Because we carry... The presence of Jesus. So our tent of meeting doesn't is present permanently. We don't have to come to a place to meet with the Lord. But the principles here, I think, are really important for us. They really are. Moses would take a tent, take his tent, okay, and go outside of the camp. Remember, Moses is the leader. So it's permanently, Moses, could you, should you, maybe, Moses, 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 Moses. He's, it's incessant. Sorry. I decided it was safer that way than that way. <laughs> but it's incessant. The noise in Moses' head must have been phenomenal. And the number of people that Moses would have known is so much smaller than the number of people we engage with. His community would have been much smaller than Cheshire Boys, than our fellowship. Well, maybe Cheshire Boys. But it would have been much smaller. But he wouldn't have engaged. But we engage with those who live around us, those in our local church, those in other places where we go, those at the football, those in the pub, those wherever it is we are, those at work. Oh, 
not to mention social media, the hundreds of people that we're friends with and we engage with, and the information, the information that comes at us is rat, rat, I remember when I used to read a newspaper to find out what happened yesterday. And that was on, that was quick. You know, now we go to the internet to find out what's going to happen. It's not about what will, what has happened most of the time. It's, well, should this, maybe, could this? And if it's not shown live, then the BBC have messed it up, or whoever it is. Sky have messed it up. Moses needed to take his tent outside the camp. We need to take our tent outside the noise. We really do. And anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. If we're moving up as a fellowship into a deeper prophetic ministry, if we're moving up into releasing more revelation, which we have been, but remember the call is deeper again. Remember that, you know, and there's more. There's always more. Anybody involved with that prophetic ministry? Yeah? We need to take time outside the camp. Because we need to practice the presence of God. Good book. Brother Lawrence. Not Brother Andrew. He's, the one, he's Russia, isn't he? He's the other guy. You know, try and get an English version where practicing is spelled properly. But anyway, moving on. The American version has a practicing verb with the C rather than an S. Why can't I just, oh, anyway, moving on. <laughs> my, my stuff there. We need to find a way to get outside. That doesn't mean we all have to go on retreat. That doesn't mean we have to go away for a few days, and, though that might help. But we need to find a way of quietening the voices. We need to find the place. We need to find the space. And we need to do it intentionally. <coughs> For Moses, the tent of meeting was an intentional space away from the noise of life. Moses knows that he's got to get revelation from God. Because they're doing what they're doing and they're traveling where they're going. And, they're, and basically, Moses is winging it. Because he doesn't know. He was born into the court. Well, he wasn't. He ended up being... He growed up in the court of Egypt. What does he know about? What does he really know about the Jewish people? What does he really know? I wonder how many times Moses went, I don't know what's going on. You know, when he got backed up into a corner, you know, and behind, behind him was the, was the sea, and in front of him was the Egyptian army, and God said, you're safe. I wonder how many times he went, I don't know what's going on. And God said, put your arms out. And the waters were piled up. Either yeah, right. That's like that's going to happen. Oh, it has. How many times? So he used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp. 
and called it the tent of meeting. And anybody wanted to hear from the Lord would go to the tent of meeting. We need to find that place for ourselves. The word I want to use is we need to position ourselves to hear God more clearly. Apologies if you haven't done the course I'm about to reference. Drain pipes from what we've just been talking about. It's revelation that comes. And we need to position ourselves so we hear from God, so we can pass it on to people, so the world can be blessed. And the drain pipes need to be in alignment. Any drain pipe out of alignment, it all goes wrong. Sort of a talk on authority as well, but it's about revelation. We need to position ourselves. And that's what we're doing as a church. We're positioning ourselves as a courageous, <coughs> prophetic, equipping church. And if we're going to do it at the next level, we all do it at the next level. In different ways, and in different places. I'm expecting everybody to come out the front and teach. But we, and we need to position ourselves for that. We need to be intentional about what we do for that then to happen. If we have a vision statement, if we have, which is, comes from the Lord, if we know what we're about, we need to set strategy and activity that is deliberately positioning ourselves in order for that flow of what God is releasing to come not just into us, but through us and out the other side. It's so important. So the first thing tonight, we need to position ourselves well. And we need to position ourselves well. Do you know the big problem with we need to position ourselves well? We're all a bunch of flipping individuals. So we may call the position... But I need to respond so that we can be we. Does that, does that make sense? I think I'll stop that line now and confuse myself. That's the problem. Remember, the Living in Freedom course finished on unity, didn't it? Strong message. Was it this morning I said, the one is more important than each one. Yet, so many of our decisions are for me or for mine. Is it, oh, I'm really sorry about this because this is hard. Is it more important to put your family first or to put God first? You put God first and your family will be blessed. Uh, therefore, they will be first. Sorry. That's the way it is. I'm sure my. One of my sons would say this now, but when he was quite young, and Wendy and I would go off and do missions, or we'd go off and do training stuff, and somebody who was supposed to be looking after them, protecting them, said, I don't know why your parents keep going away. That must really, that must really affect you badly. Yeah, we found this out afterwards. We may not ask them to look after the kids while we were in. And do you know what Alex said, bless him? He said, well, if mummy and daddy don't go away, they don't become the best mummy and daddy they can be. As I say, I'm not sure he'd say that right now, but 10 years ago he did, or more. 
get more because he wouldn't have said mummy and daddy at 26. <laughs> <laughs> so 15 years plus. But he's right. If we had been disobedient to what the Lord had said and not gone, and of course the, the negativity was much, much more against Wendy because it's my job. So I'm allowed to be away and, and forget about the kids because that's what dad's... You know, that's cringe as well, isn't it? I nearly said a rude word then. <laughs> it's absolute crunch. But, but if we've been disobedient, yeah. the very first time we ever went to South Africa, we went without the kids. Yeah. And we met Stuart and Sally McGreevy, so we're connected to the Kabira in Kenya. And we met Paul, um, Pete Portal for the first time. Two or three days after he'd met Sarah. Looked like the cat had got the milk, he'd ill cream even. He was, well, but they've been married now. We've been praying for them to, have a, to adopt a child. And it's a long, long story. But if we'd not gone, we wouldn't have those connections. And if Wendy and I didn't have those connections, would St. Leonard have those connections? Would we, would we have sent, how much did we send? £100,000 to Pete for the house? It wouldn't have happened, would it? Because we were obedient. Is it easy? Am I brilliant? Am I a mate? No. I've missed it several times. But there are points where I can go, yeah, actually, we did the right thing there. Even when everybody's screaming, you're doing the wrong thing. And everybody's telling us, you're damaging your family. So when I say to you, are you going to put God before your family? I know what it means. Alex, bless him. A lot of these stories are about Alex. Pray for him that he rediscovers where, he's, where he is, where, who he is. Alex was a county level rugby player, but wouldn't play rugby in a local club because they played on a Sunday morning. And he wanted to be in church leading worship, showing his dad how to do it. And he's an awesome worship leader. But he's a county standard rugby player. But he, wouldn't get, he, he never got picked for county because he wouldn't play for a local club. He got to the sixth form and then the club played in the afternoon. But guess what? They didn't want him because he'd not gone and played for them when he was 12 and 13. But he played for the Lord. And the Lord will honour that. And that hurts me because I know where he is at the moment. But the Lord will honour that. That's positioning yourself. And it's sacrifice. It's putting the stuff of the world to one side. So when I hear today, you know, there's not anybody here present, please, I'm not. When I hear today, people say people haven't been in church because family comes first. Somebody said that to me this morning. So I can't, you know. It's just like, yeah, no. Oh, you all understand, you know, family, kids, kids have got sport on kids have got the, uh, I want to go no I don't I go yeah no I understand the pressure because <laughs> I do understand the pressure I just came to a different conclusion you know and I get it but do we want the best I want the best for them spiritually so why would they 
I was just talking before you all arrived, saying, you know, I'm actually around Christmas Eve. We're, 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 I'm not at work, but I'm around. And I said, you invited me to Berkshire, didn't you? Which was lovely, I'm sure. But where do I go? Where do I go for communion on Christmas Eve night? There's only one flipping place I want to be. But is that fair to Chris? That the rector turns up and hides at the back? And he's not supposed to... Do you know what I mean? I might just have to sacrifice that. Wear a disguise. Sorry? Wear a disguise. Wear a disguise. So I've got a feeling whatever disguise I wear, they may, they may recognise me. Body outline, you know. Look what happens in verse 8. I haven't got many notes, which Chris always says is more dangerous. <laughs> Whenever Moses went to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tent, watching Moses until he entered the tent. When we intentionally engage with God, other people notice. Your spouses will notice. Those of you who've got non-Christian spouses. They will notice. Even if, you, even if they're moaning and complaining and you think they've got nothing good to say about church or faith or anything, they will still notice if you're faithful to what God is doing. When you manage your spouse... And you don't do the things that God is asking because you don't want to up your... Do you know what they notice? That God is so unimportant that he doesn't come first, so it's not worth investigating whether he's real or not. They notice you managing. So actually they go, oh, no, actually I'm more important. This, this God thing's obviously... And again, I know that is hard because it's so easy to manage it. I thank God... What, you know, Wendy and I married Christians. So it was from the get-go. We're not all in that position. But we manage them and we show them that it's not important. God, people are, they rise up and stand and watch. What's he doing now? It might even be that cynical. But they watch. And if they watch you encountering God, they see God. Wow. So first thing, we position ourselves. And then, as that happens, the, man, the manifest presence of God comes. The pillar of cloud comes down, verse 9. Verse 9, thank you. Verse 9. Hallelujah. The pillar of cloud would come down. Now, we carry the presence of God. And what I'm about to say does not contradict everything I've been trying to teach you for seven years. Though it might sound like it. Do we need more of God? No. There's the contradictory bit. You see, here we go. Do we need, have we got everything we need to live this godly and holy life? Yes. yes. Scripture. Does, is, is God in his fullness dwelling in us by his Holy Spirit? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But we still need the Holy Spirit to fall on us. Even though we carry 
the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to fall on us. There's a contradictory bit. Because we need more of that manifest presence to manifest in, in your life. So he falls upon you to, lock out, to unlock he who is already present. <coughs> That's why you know, we, we encounter. That's why we position ourselves for more. I don't know if you're going to sing the song later, but um, Jason sang a song in rehearsal, More Love, More Power, More of You in My Life. It's a brilliant song and theologically absolute rubbish because we can't have more of him in our lives than we've already got. But we want more of him in our lives, even though we can't have more of him in our lives. Uh, we want to... Exp- I, get, I get the song simplifies it. You can't sing, I want more of, you, more of you in my life, in my experience, Lord, because I know I've already got everything I need. It does... <laughs> makes the scanning of the song a little bit difficult. (laughs) But it's a brilliant song. But if it's the song you base your theology on, it's a rubbish song. But it's a brilliant song. Once once we've got the identity, then more, Lord. More power, yes. More love, yes. More of you. (laughs) Experience more of you, Lord. Better. Have more of me, Lord. You've got my spirit. Now sort out my soul. Sort out my psyche. So we need that experience. Do you, we don't need a new Pentecost because we've had one. Huh? There was a bit of teaching around a few years back about a new Pentecost. No, we don't need a new Pentecost because if we need a new Pentecost, it means the cross hasn't worked. Hmm? Yeah, I think the cross has worked. Uh, what we need is a fuller experience of the Pentecost that's already happened. And not just once, but every day. And again, and again, and again, and again, and again. It's like saying, you know, I'm going to give you steak and chips and salad, and then you don't have to eat for the next six months. Yeah, it's not going to work, is it? Again, again, again. So there's the positioning before God. And there's the presence, the manifest presence. And the people, look in verse 10 and 11. Glasses back on. Look in verse 10 and 11. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing, they stood and worshipped. If our response to the presence of God is nothing else, it should be worship. As the Holy Spirit falls, so our worship is released. Oh, God does that in us. No, actually, we choose to release our worship. Then God gets hold of it and releases it more. It's that. Is it God or is it us? Exactly. There you go. Who starts that process? Interesting. Is it God that starts that process? Or is it us choosing to position ourselves? Or do we position ourselves because God has provoked... mm, Chicken or egg? (laughs) Chicken or egg? Verse 11. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face. Now, as Chris said last week, two weeks ago, last week, last week, uh about, you know, we can't see God face to face, but Moses, 
God would speak to Moses face to face. But you can't see, look on God and live. And later on you can't look on Moses because he's got a face that's radiant with the presence of God. This is an early taste of what the new covenant's going to be all about. about that. So you and I know God more intimately than Moses could ever have dreamt of, let alone the other people, and Moses was allowed in the tent of meeting. But you and I have the presence of God dwelling in us permanently. Hmm. And what does God do when he is face to face with Moses? He speaks. And what are we all about? Revelation. Prophetic stuff. That's all by way of preamble. No, not quite. But actually, this is what I really want to say. Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. But it's only Moses allowed into the tent, isn't it? Apparently not. Apparently Joshua was there as well. Look at Joshua. He did not leave the tent. Now who's Joshua going to be? He's going to be the leader. He's going to take over from Moses. And actually, what's he going to do that Moses never did? He's going to take the people into the promised land. So how important is Joshua? Very. How important is Joshua? And at this point, he doesn't leave the tent. Is Moses explaining how to do politics? Is Moses explaining how to do military stuff? Is Moses... Probably they're talking about that sort of thing. But the key thing is that he doesn't leave the tent. So whose presence is he in permanently? Because this is a time of preparation. It's a time of preparation, Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. Go on. You've got to go over a bit in your Bible if you're looking. A couple of books over. This passage is really, really, really important to me. Because this is the passage that is the foundation of my, of my call to full-time ministry. Along with a couple of others, but this is. So for 25 years I've been Joshua. I'm not sure I'm the young assistant anymore. But uh, Moses' aide. Joshua did not leave the tent. If we want to. Do you know what the name Joshua means? Yahshua. Do you know what it means? God saves. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what the Greek version of Joshua is? Jesus. Jesus. Yahshua or Yeshua. Which is what some people will call Jesus. 
Mary and Joseph didn't call Jesus Jesus because they speak they spoke Aramaic. Yeshua. Jesus is the the Greek version of. The young man is present and goes on to be the leader. And does he see the great breakthroughs? Does he see the entering into the promised land? Despite the opposition there being looking like giants, does he see them take ground? Does he see them establish themselves? Yes. Does he do it properly and fully? No, never mind. He still took them the place they were supposed to go. Joshua 1, verses 1 to 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. First point. Was Moses a good man? Did he do brilliant stuff for God? Was he in God's presence? Did his face shine? Did he get the Ten Commandments? Did he break the Ten Commandments and have to go and get some more? Why isn't Moses amazing? What's stopping the people going into the promised land? Moses. What has to happen for the people to go into the promised land? Moses has to die. How many of the good things do we hold on to and don't get into the promised I'm not talking about promised land in terms of salvation or whatever. But we don't see the breakthrough. We don't see the victory. We don't see the move across the Jordan. We don't get to that place because we're holding on to the Moses thing. We're holding on to that, what, that which was good, but is not now good. It's not the now thing of God, but we hold on to it. Ah. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses. It's an astonishing promise. I will give you every place I will set your foot, where you set your foot. Hello. QPR aren't playing, so it can't be that. Um, sorry, that happened the other Wednesday. And it went four times in the evening, and I was really worried. But we'd won 3 0, so that was okay. <laughs> A word was given to me before I knew this passage that wherever I set my foot, people would be set free. And then I discovered this verse. of like, oh, hello. Hello. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. Israel's never been this big. Never. But of course, Israel is bigger now. We've been grafted into the vine. So actually, Israel has burst these borders because of the cross of Christ. 
No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. I'm still working on that one. But it's true, actually. If we're obedient to God, no one will stand against us. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. uh, Sorry? What? So he's now going to talk to Joshua face to face, as with a friend. Wow. Look how early on in the history of faith this is. This is early revelation, but it's so profound. Here it comes. This is the verse that I've been holding on to for 25 years. Be strong and courageous. Lion-hearted, courageous people. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. We are only doing what we do at St. Leonard's because we're walking into everything that Hugh and Gary and Mike and Mr. whatever his name was and Mr. Burkett and um, Thomas Clark and, and we're walking into their inheritance. It's who we are. I love the fact that God keeps repeating the same phrase. Be strong and courageous. Oh no, this time he says be strong and very courageous. Just in case you'd missed it. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left. That you may be successful wherever you go. Successful doesn't mean worldly plaudits, worldly wealth. It means being told by God you're a good and faithful servant. Do not let let this book of the law depart from your mouth. They had so little scripture at this point. But even then God's saying this is key. Meditate on it day and night. Oh Lord, I do my 20 minutes in the morning. Meditate on it day and night. So that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged. Or do not be terrified. Did we deal with fear this morning? Do not be terrified. For the Lord your God will be with you. Wherever you go. True for for Joshua? How much more true for us? Now who said he promises to be with us to the end of the age? Jesus. Yes, well done. It's all here in Joshua already. So God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be obedient. I will give the land where you put your feet. The promises will come true. It's all there. And I will be with you. And then Jesus brings that into a fullness. And then states again to everyone, every Christian, the same promise. I will be with you. And actually, we can take the land around us. We can take the culture around us. We can change everything. This passage in Joshua, 
for me, is one of those whoa passages. Just wow. Blows my mind. Blows my mind. And as a 30-year-old, knowing I've been... As a 30-year-old, having spent five, six, five, six years working out my vocation, this passage was the one that went, yeah, come on. If this is true, I've got to be bold and courageous and stop being a teacher and go and be a teacher. <laughs> stop worrying about, will I be able to provide for my kids? And go and do what the Lord is saying. And I think what the call is on me and Wendy and what the call is on us here are not identical, but heck, they overlap. You know, we're Leonard, the patron saint of setting free the captives. Did you know that? That's who Leonard was. The patron saint of prisoners, but he was their patron saint because he set them free. So, as we, as we move into worship, was that subtle enough? I don't know where you are on this process I don't even know what I've said really about the presence and the glory I've said a lot of things what matters is what, what is landing for you I've got four things here at the end we need to position, you need to position yourself for whatever, the, whatever glory God's going to pour down. Intentional, deliberate choice. Secondly, you need to practice the presence daily, hourly. Oh, but I'm so... Do you know what? There's a brilliant book written 40 years ago. It says, the title was Too Busy Not to Pray. Because so, so many people say, I'm too busy to pray. Actually, you're too busy not to pray. The busier you are, the more you need to pray. Because you know what? The more you pray, the less busy you will be. Because you'll get more done. Prove that one so many times. Position yourself. Practice the presence. Allow yourself to be prepared like Joshua did. Do you know what being prepared means? Changed. And we will see all the promises fulfilled. Do business with the Lord. Lord, would you do business with us? Speak when we need to hear. Poke when we need to be poked. Heal when we need to be healed. Lord, would you be you and call us to be us? For Jesus' sake.